the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history of Hello everyone and welcome to Sake on Air, the podcast that is supported very generously by the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and with a very large amount of assistance from the Sake and Shochu Information Center. Uh, today, I'm very fortunate to be able to talk with Maurice Dudley, a longtime resident of Okinawa, who is one of the most active people on the Awamori scene these days. So we're gonna have a nice, friendly conversation with him, ask him a few questions about what he's been up to and see what he thinks about what's coming for the world of Awamori. Maurice, thank you for joining us. <laughs> hello, hello. Glad to be here. Thank you. This feels like a long time coming, doesn't it? It does. It yeah. really does. Yeah. I mean, we've been we've been going back and forth about. Oh yeah, and you, everybody can hear it. So let's let's compile. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Having a little bit of awamori to to take the edge off. But yeah, we've been talking about awamori and the, and the future and what it holds and yeah. the challenges, which yeah. are all over the place. All over. And so. Yeah. Yeah, welcome to the show, Sake on Air. And, yeah. and like, can you tell us a little bit about your personal journey and how it's it how you came to Awamori? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a interesting story. I first came to Okinawa. Let's start there. I mm -hmm. first came to Okinawa in 1994 as a member of the U.S. Air Force. And you know, like most people who come here for the first time. They're so excited about coming to Japan, you know, but the image that we have of Japan is Osaka, Kyoto, Tokyo, right. You know, from the discovery channel and national geographic, but we get to Okinawa is like, this is, it's nice. It's different, but it's not, you know, Osaka, Tokyo, you know, but yeah, you know, you've kind of fallen in love with it. I think, um, you know, some people don't, can't stand it, but you know, others of us, really love it so I was the latter so I came here and uh my 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 time with the Air Force I had to leave so I did two years and I left and then I had I was fortunate enough to come back to Okinawa and at that time I was like okay I'm gonna really try to study you know learn a little bit more Japanese you know learn more about the the culture and everything else so you know going out spending time with family and friends who lived here and going to the, of course, going to Izakayas. You know, at the time, I didn't really drink beer. You know, it wasn't really my thing. I was young. You know, okay. so I my thing was umeshu. Okay. I remember, yeah, I was like, man, this umeshu thing is this is really good. You know, just give me umeshu on the rocks, right? And they would bring it out. But eventually, my friends would complain. It's like, why are you drinking? That's expensive. We're drinking <laughs> beer at Hyakukyuju and 190 yen. You need to, you know, step it down a little bit. So like, what? what's wrong with Umeshu? Like, you look like a girl, you know, okay, oh. whatever, you know, I don't care. It's good. You know, yeah. so I would drink it. Okay. Let me try some beer. So I would drink the beer. And then of course, you know, someone always had a bottle of Awamori mm -hmm. and a, you know, a bucket of ice and some water. So I know what is, you know, what is that? Let me try that. Oh, and they would introduce me to Mizuwari, which is very popular here in Okinawa. So 
you know, just mix them with water at different ratios, whatever is comfortable for you. Maybe add a lemon slice or shikwasa, whatever is, you know, available uh, if you want to add some flavor. But if not, you know, the mizuwadi is totally fine as well. But that was kind of my introduction into awamori. And I remember at the time it was just primarily one brand. It was Zampa, either white or black. And that was it, you know. So it was like Zankuro, that was it. <laughs> Zampu black or whatever. And then eventually, we, you know, as we started to learn more about awamori, we started to kind of experiment with other brands. And, okay, let me get some, let me try that. Oh, what's kusu? What does that mean? So, yeah, it was kind of, that's where my beginning journey was so this is from back in the 90s you're talking back in the 90s yeah well yeah Mm -hmm. trying to hang out with friends mostly i hung out with a girlfriend at the time and her japanese friends so i was the only american in the group you know so i was like okay i have to blend not really blend in but kind of get along with everyone what everyone's drinking yeah wow i wasn't here yet but so was you were enjoying Awamori, was it something that other people in in the service really took a shine to or was it really really abnormal it was abnormal i think i was i was the odd man out you know from the beginning because first of all i would i would go hang out with a lot of japanese people because I, I felt like yeah i can party on the base with other americans or party at the clubs with other americans but I, you know it's kind of a, a waste of being here in japan or being here in okinawa if that's all i do so I would kind of try to branch out uh, and learn about other, you know, learn about the local culture and other uh, ways of, of enjoying the nightlife. And izakaya was just perfect for me. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, and some people, they never venture out, out of the bay, out of the military community, which is, is fine if that's what you're up, you know, if that's what you're into, but I was kind of the opposite. So as far as Awamori, I have I have some friends who also enjoy awamori, mm-hmm. um, but you know they're typically married to Japanese or they've you know been in Japan for as long as I have too. So it's like, yeah, of course, you know, awamori is the thing to do. But the people who who typically stay here for a short period of time, they never really get into it, you know, because they have they have the Western spirits, you know, they have the the Hennessy or whatever that they can go to that they're familiar with. Gotcha. So they don't really branch out into anything new. So initially, what was it about Awamori that that interested you? Uh, I think it was, I think, to be honest, I think it was the communal part of, of the aspect of it. Someone would order a bottle and they're sharing it with everyone. I, I didn't understand it. Like, and you can do it. You can do a keep and keep it at that facility, at that izakaya. Yeah. You know, you write your name on it, and this is my this is my bottle. So every time I come back in here, yeah, it's my bottle. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. So, and then it was just that part of, oh, let me see, wait, let me let me taste some. I haven't I've never tried that UQ Gold or whatever. Let me let me try that. And then that communal part of enjoying the spirit was fascinating to me. You know, as an American, it's like even the izakaya culture in general it's like as an american oh i ordered that you know that one's mine you know don't don't touch it right like but you know sharing the tab and, and divvying up everything was like totally new and then hmm. it just all it just fits right into that that's interesting so it's been a long it's been a long slow roll and burn with your interest in this drink 
And more recently, I mean, you, you have your own experiences in food and beverage. I don't know how much you want to get into that right now, but I think, I mean, you've, I've been to your bar. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how does, how does Awamori play a part in, in that side of your professional life? I think because I wanted to become more involved with uh, the industry as a whole, and specifically with Aomori, is it, to be able to introduce it to other people, like to show the, the, the passion that I have for it mm-hmm. and kind of explain why it's important to me. Like mm-hmm. everyone has their own different reasoning. Yeah. But for me, it's this, this, and this. Yeah. And to be able to share that with people, not only here in Okinawa, but overseas as well, I think it is really important. It's an it's a it's an aspect of Okinawan culture that a lot of people don't still don't know about. You're right. Yeah. And I when I started really getting into uh, the industry as a whole, it was mainly for for importing brands that have never been in Japan before. I was like, okay, I want to do that. But then I started looking into exporting as well. So like, why isn't that on my radar? That should be on my radar if possible you know mm-hmm. if there's anything i can do i need a license or what, what do i need to do uh so having brands at my my shop i think helps if people come in uh, um, americans come in specifically who might see something and ask questions about it and i should be able to answer those questions yeah sure yeah should be able to hopefully so what's yeah. the name of your place blue habu in okinawa city it's 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 interesting. I did a I was once doing Airbnb experiences, and I was introducing people to different locations around Okinawa, and part of it was a nightlife kind of tour, walking tour, and I took someone from Hong Kong to an uh, Awamori bar in Okinawa City, okay. and she this was like before I really knew anything about like any details about Awamori. She asked. Uh, the difference, why, why, what's the difference between the two brands? Like it's all made with black koji water, right. and, and she's like, "But what's the difference?" She didn't really understand, and I couldn't really explain it, right? And then she asked about kusu, and I was like, ah. "So I asked the the attendant, the uh, the staff, and she she couldn't really explain it either. It's like she worked there, but she wasn't a meister or anything like that. Sure. So that was kind of my motivation for." Okay, the next time I'm kind of put in that situation, I should probably be able to explain a little bit of what, you know, the, the timing during fermentation, you know, what, what makes one distillery different from the other or more unique from the other. Right. Even though they're using the same ingredients, their timing might be different or the, their methods might be different. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, the water supplies are different. True. Yeah, but there's yeah. so, many, so many things that can yeah, create yeah, yeah. variety. Absolutely. Yeah. So... Okay, so you have you also have experience with inbound tourism reactions overall to Awamori when people are first exposed to it. I some people, yeah, they were like, "Oh, yeah, this is really good," and because we were doing Mizuwari, it was kind of, you know, I would try to get people to try it uh, straight first, mm-hmm. of course, and then we would branch in. But you know, in, in Okinawa, Mizuwari is really a big part of you know eat, drinking while you eat, you know. Um, pairing, not so much pairing, but you, that's it goes along with food. So it was kind of that was the introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really like break in, break down into 
the specifics of drinking straight or neat. Um, but I think most people were, were interested in, in, in the culture overall, in the izakaya nightlife culture overall. And Aomori is just Contextually, part of it. yeah. it's perfect. That makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, if you go to Okinawa and you have Aomori, well, you come to Okinawa because we're in Okinawa <laughs> right now, and you have Aomori here, yeah. it's a, yeah, that's, that's an authentic experience. Right. You, you can't replicate that anywhere else in the world. Definitely. Yeah. Cause you know, you go, I think overseas, um, like my recent trip, uh, to, to Europe, the emphasis was more on cocktails, uh, all morning based cocktails. And then using that as an introduction, uh, pairing with foods and people were, were interested in the all morning cocktail, but it's like, what about Mizuwari mm-hmm. and what about meat? We should try that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't so; it didn't really take on as as much as a cocktail ba- or aomori based cocktail. I'm glad you brought up the trip to Europe because yeah. I really want to hear more about this, and I haven't had a chance to talk to you about yeah, it. Yeah. But yeah, you were in Europe for a while. Can you expand on that a bit? Yes, uh, I was. I was asked to to go with uh, UQ1429. They had some uh, events uh, in Amsterdam and London. And I was asked to, to help participate in those. And I was like, sure. I've never been to either of those countries. Oh, great. Yeah. So I was like, yeah. So uh, I went and uh, just kind of helped support their mission to, you know, they had events and they had bottle sampling uh, tastings in Amsterdam, as well as the big event was in London. So I was able to take samples to London and and help during the seminar, uh, the brand ambassador uh, lives in London. He was talking about Aomori and Nikki 429. But I was able, since I live in Okinawa, <laughs> I was able to chime in. And yeah, and then we also do this, this, and this. And we also drink, you know, like I said, Mizuwari. And people were, he said, why, why would you do that? <laughs> why would you mix water? Well, yeah, it's actually a thing, you know. So I explained that. Um, but it just didn't really catch on. We didn't really have an opportunity. Mizuwari to, was not the focus. No, it wasn't the focus. Definitely uh, cocktail base was the focus. So that sounds like it was a really interesting experience. But I think one thing that everybody listening at home wants to know is what is this whole Ryukyu 1429 thing? Okay. Yeah. Ryukyu 1429 is a, is a brand of Aomori that uh, three distilleries have uh, produced. And the bottling was is done by a separate company. They created their own brand and they, they launch into primarily into Europe mm-hmm. um, is the focus for now. And then they're also trying to move into the United States. Again, promotions and, and events in those countries. What is yeah. what is the name Ryukyu 1429 refer to? Okay. Your name Ryukyu 1429 refers to the Ryukyu Kingdom, pre-war Okinawa. Uh, was a kingdom called, known as the Ryukyu Kingdom, and it was established in 1429. Mm. Hence the Ryukyu 1429 naming of the brand. There's it, there's three bottles in there, right? There's three bottles, correct. What are what are the names of the bottles? The names are Mizu for water, okay, Tsuchi for earth, and Kaze for wind. Earth, earth. No fire though. There is no fire. There is a, well, there, the closest is Tayo, but it's really kind of an experimental batch. 
Oh, okay. Of Okinawan grown rice. That's As interesting. Aomori is typically or traditionally Thai rice, as you know. Uh, they're trying to experiment with, and it, it's not just the brand, it's kind of the uh, Okinawa prefectural kind of pushing it as well. I think it's the government of Japan as a whole, uh, maybe pushing to see if there is a, such a thing as terroir with poor rice. But I don't think it's the same as grapes. And, yeah. You can't really think of it as the same as terroir for grapes. So the question is, is it is there a difference between Thai, Thai, uh, Aomori from Thai-grown rice or from, you know, Japanese rice, specifically grown in Okinawa? Sure. And I don't, it, it's really difficult to pick up the difference. I don't think there's much of a difference. Okay. Personally. All right. Um, so that was the kind of the, the test that, that we that we did. Interesting. Yeah. Well, even if even if the there are no super obvious differences, sensory differences in mm. terms of the aroma, in terms yeah. of the mouthfeel, at least there's a difference in terms of the story. Oh, in yeah. terms of and not not to not to throw any shade at at rice at long grain Thai rice at all because that's yeah. that's part of history. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's and a it, historical. It'll, it'll never go away. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it is also nice when you have a product that is made com- completely domestically. Yeah, one of the product local products that I really enjoy is uh, Shima Urara from uh, Yaisen. Mm-hmm. They use Ishigaki grown rice, right? And it's just really it's really good. But yeah, it's I think it's a branding thing um, for me personally. I think it would be more of a branding thing. Okay, this was grown, this is from rice grown in Okinawa, you know, exporting the local economy, you know, the farmers, if that's how you want to spin spin the story. Um, But some people may gravitate towards that. Others might, ah, yeah, we don't really care about that. We just want good quality tasting all morning. Mm. So I think that was, you know, the main reason for testing it overseas and testing it to see what people think about it first. And kind of going from there based on that feedback. So how yeah. was the response to the Ryukyu 1429 brands? Oh, really good. Yeah, it was really good to the brands and a lot of people want to pick it up and, and start uh, introducing it to their bars. Uh, but specifically the Tayo, I'm not really sure if that's going to really take off. Maybe some people are interested in, like we, like we talked about that story. But other than that, it's like, okay, we don't really see how it fits in with the other three brands of UQ429. Would it like get in the way of those or would it complement them? We don't, we don't really know. Let's talk cocktails a little bit. You, yeah. I know that you like cocktails and you and I have been out drinking cocktails. I, I followed you to <laughs> cocktail bars that you like in the past. What kind of cocktails were being made with these three UQ49, uh, 1429 brands? Sorry. One with Kaze, one was a highball. Um, and I don't know, I don't remember the specific recipes for any of them, but uh, it was a highball that was made with uh, UK429 that was paired with duck, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was really, you know, it went over well because when they brought the duck out and started carving it, of course, people were like, whoa, what's that? You know, yeah. And then the, the Mizu and Suchi were paired with more of the citrus type cocktails, cocktails, um, but they were also really good. 
uh, had some good feedback. We didn't really do food pairing for Tayo. For Tayo, that was just tasting. But you did bring Tayo with you just to get the general reaction. Right. Okay. We we took sample we took samples uh, to a couple of bars in in Amsterdam, who are already familiar with EQ fourteen twenty nine. So it's like, hey, take them a bottle of Tayo, and also uh, to to London. Yeah. These three brand. What's the ABV on them? Are they they're plus or minus forty? They're all forty three percent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're all right up towards the upper limit of what's permitted for UQ Awamori, and that means. I guess potentially cocktails are definitely an an avenue. Right. I think that was the main one of the main uh, factors behind pushing for cocktails is when you blend it, you don't really lose a lot of that. You know, you may be dropping it down a couple percentages, what thirty percent. You know, after you blend it as a cocktail. Yeah. Um, which is still pretty good. You know. Yeah. You're not losing a lot of the ABV. So. So through all of these recent experiences and you and I are just fresh off of a distillery tour yeah, ourselves, yeah. what do you, what do you see as, and this, I don't want to, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but what do you see as some, some of the, the challenges or what do you see? You can choose either, or you can choose both challenges, opportunities for the future of Awamori creating or finding new markets, creating, establishing new markets, educating people. Like what, what do we have? What do we have to look forward to? Do you think, what have you noticed so far? What have you learned? That's a good question. I think it's one that everyone wants to know the answer to, right? I get asked Um, it a lot, which is why uh, I'm asking you. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think we're still on the awareness phase. A lot of people, a lot of people still don't even know what it is they don't know they're just kind of learning about shochu and then oh yeah awamori's kind of lumped into that so i think it's um we're still at that phase where we're teaching people about it maybe doing some tastings i've, I've done some online meetings for for, sure. for awamori and you know came people are familiar with it well the people who want to do the online meetings they're kind of already familiar with awamori of course so yeah um but it's just getting that information out to to everyone else, and I, I I think there is maybe some leeway in introducing it as a cocktail base because people are familiar with cocktails, gin and tonic. You're familiar with gin and tonic. Well, how about try an Almori and tonic or Negroni? You're familiar with Negroni. Try a, an Almori based Negroni. Substitute mm. the gin. So substituting. Uh, vodka or gin, you know, other white spirits with Aomori may be an, an approach, but it's still going to be a long journey, I think. Yeah, but uh, because you're involved now, it's going to be a slightly less long journey because well, yeah, got another person who knows their stuff, who's yeah. out there able to talk about it mm-hmm. and not, not talk about it. You're not, you're, you're not somebody who has, you, you haven't been hired by like, you know, an ad agency or anything yeah, to help yeah, yeah. promote this in some some way. Yeah, it's totally more so personal experience, which I think I'm probably more comfortable with anyway. Because like, I can't really BS that. So, yeah, sure. No, so I, it's like, yeah, I I'm saying what I say is actually my opinion on on the drink. And for example, 
one drink that I posted a picture of was Aomori. Mizuho's uh, brown sugar yeast. Ah, oh. Aomori. And uh, they, I know, I was like, I have, because one popular drink in Okinawa is mixing with milk. And at the izakayas, a lot of the older, older guys, old men, used, they drink that. And uh, it's awamori and, mi- and milk. It's a, it's a simple cocktail. Yeah, yeah. So instead of using water, you know, they often use milk or black coffee or you know, juice. So let me let me try this milk thing. I I've never tried it before actually, but I've heard of it. I've seen it. And, you know, I think it would be good with this brown sugar yeast, uh, Aomori. It's kind of a little bit soft compared to, um, or mild compared to other Aomori. So I think it would actually be pretty good. I, I tasted it. I like, yeah, this is really good. I posted a picture of it on Instagram, and then it was getting a lot of good feedback. And I think maybe that might be a way to go as well. So not only substituting other white spirits, but like something totally new that people may not even think of, like Aomori and milk. Yeah. Why would you do that? You know, type of thing. Um, I don't think, like it showed you, it showed you often mixed right, with- uh, Rice shochu. Yeah. That's one thing that people sometimes recommend is rice shochu and milk. And milk. Okay. Yeah. So, and it yeah. makes sense a lot of the time. I've had, I've had surprisingly- delicious mm. concoctions that I was not expecting. No, but what about kokuto? Kokuto shochu and, and milk maybe? No? I think it could. Yeah. I think it could. I've never tried it personally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. one one of my favorite pairings, um, I mean, I, th- I just love kokuto shochu with anything cheese. Okay. Yeah. So that makes a ton of sense to yeah, me. Yeah. So give me a cheese fondue and a, and a pool of kokuto sugar shochu and I'm going to be a happy, happy yeah, camper. We'll have to try that. Yeah. Um, well, this is this is this is very cool. I'm I'm excited. Number one, because it's good to be able to talk to somebody who actually really really gets Aomori. And number two, you're leading, helping to lead the charge in terms of introducing these drinks to people who who would never have access to them. Yeah. And so you've got you've got you're accruing a log of experiences that I'm sure everybody wants to hear about. <laughs> so I appreciate you um, coming on here to, to share a few of them with us. Uh-huh. Um, if if you like what in terms of the type of awamori that you personally really like, you don't have to name any brands or anything, but what kind of awamori drinker are you? If you if you had your druthers and we're drinking at home, and you're like, "What would I like to be having, and how would I like to have it?" If you want to name a brand, I don't mind. Uh, I, I'm not. I think it kind of depends on. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's kind of depends. Um, a lot of times, I I think I'll probably lean towards the kusu or the aged aomori, because you know I think it's just more of the flavor thing and maybe a higher uh, ABV, uh, but. Oftentimes, too, you know, it depends on the day. I think I'll have something a little bit more mild that I can drink. I feel like drinking straight or on the rocks. Mm-hmm. Then I'll go towards the milder end. Um, you know, some of them, they, some of the manufacturers have been experimenting with different yeasts, like sake yeast and, uh, like we mentioned, the brown sugar yeast. Those are really interesting to me as well. It's kind of more experimental uh, batches. And so I'll, I'll try those as well. 
Yeah. So to say, uh, do I have a favorite? Mm, maybe aged would probably yeah, be I'm my first you. my first go. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we just you and I just taste like an hour and a half ago. Taste through a short flight. Yeah. Twenty five thirty. Ippanshu, meaning yeah. non-aged or, or ostensibly shinshu, new new make. And then what was it? There was a seven year in there. Mm-hmm. And then a 2003 still? What was <laughs> yeah, that, 19 yeah. years 2003, now? 2003, yep, yep. And we both and walked out like, of there with two bottles of that Yeah, that, that was surprisingly <laughs> tasting vanilla notes off of that. And I was like, okay, I think I want a bottle. Yeah, yeah. And we and we ended up. With two. He named a price. We're like, that's okay. Yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and get it. We'll get to not it. a problem. Yeah, um, uh, those those I think because they're uh, also really popular, the kusu, you know, the koshu, they're popular um, category of awamori. Um, so it's just easier to. To, to locate and to find it, and, you know, okay. Oh, this is good. So that's to start. Okay. What age, you know, how long has it been aged and what method has it been aged? Uh, the type of vessel, the aging vessel, if it's cask aged, blended or, or jar aged, you know, 100% that all factors into the taste, of course. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of options that people don't realize there are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Thank you very much, Maurice, for for taking the time today. Is, can you tell us where people can find you online, just so that they can follow your exploits and and see what you're excited about in the world of Aomori? Uh, the best part, best place to find me is Blue Habu or Blue Habu Trade on Facebook, uh, at Blue Habu on Instagram. Yeah, blue. I think it's blue habu trade on Twitter <laughs> I as will. well. We'll, we'll. I'm not sure the. the tw- I'm not sure the the, the Twitter handle. I, I I don't really use Twitter much, but I'm learning. Yeah, you're. I, I'm you're learning from. Yeah, I'm learning from you and and other senpai in the space. <laughs> What's um? What is a habu by the by the way? Oh yeah, I get to talk about habu. Habu is the indigenous uh, viper, a venomous snake here in Okinawa. Uh, so if people are familiar with habu sake. Uh, that's the habu that uh, refers to that. So why blue habu? A lot of people ask me that, and I don't really have a reason. <laughs> I was just like sitting around the house one day, and I was like, uh, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, have my own business, so I, was, I wanted to have a have a cool name that kind of people would think of Okinawa and Oki something or Okinawa something was already, you know, that's already well taken by other people. So I said, what about habu? You know, I was thinking about hibiscus and, 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 but habu kind of really stuck out to me. And I said, well, it can go with habu blue. You know, I started name thinking of colors. And yeah, sure. Blue habu, of course, just kind of it stuck rhymes. out. Yeah, yeah. That was the main reason. So I don't know. We'll see. It works. It's yeah. memorable. Love the logo. Yeah, it's never been used before. So love it. Yeah. yeah. Easy to, easy to corner the market on the URL <laughs> game there, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is an, an important consideration. Well, thank you yeah, no, very, thank very you. much. Thank you. And uh, we will be paying attention to all of the Aomori news coming out and uh, supporting everything you do. So yeah, um, from on behalf of everybody at Sake On Air and everybody in the audience, appreciate your time. No, oh, thank and, you. And uh, Kanpai. Kanpai. Or Kari, kari as, yeah. as people say yeah. in Okinawa. 
And that will do it for this episode at Sake on Air. As always, you can go ahead and follow along with us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We've got a bunch of videos up on YouTube as well for those who are curious. And when you're done with those, you can pop on over to Apple Podcasts or whatever your favorite podcast delivery service is and leave us a kind review. Any other questions or comments, opinions, thoughts, feelings about the show, you can drop us a line at questions at sakeonair.com. Sake on Air is made possible with the fantastic support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and is broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in the heart of Tokyo. The show is a co-production between Export Japan and Potsuke Productions with audio production by Mr. Frank Walter. That will do it for this week's show. Come by.